Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back to Calling All Beings. I'm your host, DJ. Super excited for this p- this pair tonight, man. I'm going to tell you what. Bef- before I even talk about them, we got to talk about the money because everything comes down to cheddar. It's all about cheddar. We're talking about my co-conspirator, my co-collaborator, my brother from another mother who Katiati made a damn video for. Yeah! Put your hands together for money, Nathan. Woo. What's up, everybody? Hey. Hi, Money. How are you? You look, <laughs> I'm good. you look like a sexy animal tonight, as <laughs> as does yes, the the uh, humorous antagonist, the historical brother of the Whoa. show, the man who makes this shit look cool, and that's what we're talking about. Look down, oh. baby. We talking no. about Flarius Kevin. No, I'm vexed, man. She's got prettier hair. He's got prettier hair. What no, am I going to do no, tonight? No, yeah, Kevin, that's, that's, that's not true. That's not true. What am I going to do? It's difficult. Yeah. And, and here's a woman that we really wish would spend more time researching the phenomenon, <laughs> more time thinking about it, more time postulating. Nathan, I, you know, what do you say about her? I mean, she I, really, if she puts some effort. <laughs> I, I, I just feel I, I've already filed a complaint with the HR department. Just not. <laughs> Putting in enough time, and Nathan oh, is man. HR. So there you go. Say yeah, hello to it myself. It's pretty convenient. I just, I just want to let everyone know that I really am a sexy mother. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes, she is. She is a beautiful beast, man. Just like the rest of the show, except Truth. for except for. Anyway, so all right. So I want to talk about our next guest. Um, so I heard them yesterday for the first time, and then I listened today. And there were heart bubble emojis flown everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nathan by now and Flair and Deb can can get a sense of when I'm really when I hear a content creator and I just like go ballistic over how amazing they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't say that lightly and I don't say that all the time about content creators uh, in this medium and on, on these platforms that we use uh, with that. Well, hold on. Me- no, I just want to echo what you're saying because when when I woke up this morning and I checked my phone, I had a voicemail. It was you, and it sounded like you had had a mystical experience, and it was <laughs> you listening to their podcast. So I just want to make that very clear that everything you just said is true. That is not a thing that I do all the time you when don't. I listen to but people's I, shows. I was transported by your yes. voicemail and also by their show. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Please continue. It- yeah, so now I mean I I really can't do any. All I can do is tell the audience to wipe that taco seasoning off your fingertips mm. and put your hands together for the secret knowledge, Shane Ooh. and Allison. Yeah. 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 Get that taco seasoning off there, man. Get some. These people got knowledge for you. Yeah, and they know how to speak. And, and it's already, a they sound like money, Nathan. Children. <laughs> just, <laughs> just He's not old enough to be your money no, definitely coins. Not. Definitely not. No. Oh wow, oh, yeah. uh. guys, 
Well, okay. I'd love to take that all on as, you know, our content, but if you play our content in reverse, we are putting hexes on all of you. <laughs> <laughs> this is some Black Sabbath 1974 yeah. business going on, man. <laughs> Alistair Crowley. Oh my goodness, man. Yeah. I am not playing that record backwards. That's all I got to say. Welcome, Allison and Shane. Man, you guys, you guys did it to me, man. Well, thank you so much. You thank you for me. listening. And uh, I, you know, you specifically mentioned the the interview. We had a lot of fun uh, dipping our toes into those waters. That wasn't something that we planned on doing when we embarked on this podcast. But when the opportunities arose, we figured, hey, well, of course, let's let's interview some people that have had some actual experiences and hear from their point of view. So, yeah. We have two experiencers on this show and two who aren't. Uh, and normally this is the part where I pass it to Money Nathan, which I will do. And he's he's going to he's going to blow you away with the stuff he says. But I really would like to really just hear about you because I don't know that much about you guys other than Allison was the winner of the Susan Fenston uh, art uh, raffle that we had and um, that uh, Akashi Chris had put together for us. Uh, so that's how we got to meet you. Can you please tell us about yourselves and uh, how you got into work together? Yeah, well, I mean, Shane, do you want to take this first or? Um, well, as far as about one, I'm sorry my camera is so dark, uh, but I think it makes me dark and mysterious. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as who I am, uh, my name is Shane. I work at a small bookstore. Um I I love to read. I love to write. Um, Allison and I met uh, through uh, a school um, through a. We, we both taught at Missouri State University. Um, we composition specifically. I taught creative writing, poetry, and composition, and he taught uh, composition and short stories. Yeah, and uh, so that's sort of how we became friends. And as far as how we started to work together i mean i've kind of been into weird shit my whole life like uh when i was a kid um my dad told me ufos were real and the government knew all about them um and, and then... i had about the exact opposite experience <laughs> <laughs> it's not and... real man <laughs> so and then i mean and while i can't say i've had ufo experiences i think i've had some paranormal experiences so i've always loved weird stuff um, but I think Allison and I first got interested in this. We, we had a playlist that we sort of built. Um, just, to, I mean, how, how would you describe that playlist, Allison, and, and like the types of videos we put in there? Yeah, so the the podcast becoming a thing really originated just very casual between the two of us where we were just trying to look into some of the fringe things that we were interested in um, that we found a lot of value in in our personal lives and incorporated a lot of these practices and just got a lot of enjoyment from them, not specifically UFOs, but you know, meditation, law of attraction, uh, but even in our investigation of those things, inevitably, if you follow those rabbit trails down, you're, you're going to run into some not so savory stuff. So I think we're, we're both interested in, you know, what we can glean from, from being open and receptive to these ideas, but we kind of want to know where, where's the cutoff point or, or how do we protect our, our minds uh, from going too deep and getting grifted but the the playlist was just an ex uh, uh, 
nicknamed the secret knowledge TSK. And we, anytime we would find something that was um, inclined to being helpful in those sort of fringe topics, we'd toss it in there and we'd talk about it. And, you know, we'd kind of try and decide what we could take away that was beneficial and, and what really just needed to kind of go by the wayside and be discarded. Actually, is, I've written I've written a statement. If I could read it, uh, I'm going to travel back to the darkness. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh that. god, now it looks even worse. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kevin's happy because they now people aren't comparing your hair to his because they really can't see it. So this well, is actually not, net positive. Uh, not a professional. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so to me, one of the fun things about the secret knowledge is that the name is a little bit ironic. Um, so I've written, I've written something here that, that I'll read. Um, Plenty of figures and groups on the fringes of thought purport themselves to have a secret, whether that is a secret form of alternative energy, a secret strategy to get rich quick, a secret phrase or mantra to unlock your potential. At the end of the day, I don't believe in secrets. I don't believe in a secret knowledge as a quantifiable thing that can be obtained. However, I do think there are benefits to be found in exploring these ideas at all. So while I don't believe there is one tangible secret to success or happiness or wealth or mental well-being, I do think there are lessons to be learned and to be found along the way that are all the more rewarding. So in that way, we use the name secret knowledge, both ironically and affectionately. Uh, we want to critique the idea of there being secrets to these things at all, uh, but we also want to take any and all ideas seriously uh, to see what they have to offer. So to me, that's kind of like what we're doing and, and why it's the secret knowledge. So, so that which is undiscovered is not necessarily hidden. Yes. Money, Nathan, man, before, because I have, I, I could keep going. I, I'm going to give, I, I I'm love give it. it up. No, I, yeah. Great to have you guys with us and echoing just what DJ said earlier. Really enjoy your show. Uh, Thanks so much. Very impressed with the quality for questions and just the level of analysis. And I, I, now that I know you're both literature nerds, it makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so, and we don't, we don't, just for the record, we're not pretending that we are experts in the field. And I, and I think that is one way that we can potentially add value to the field is that this is only what used to be more of a niche community is only going to get larger and larger, you know, year by year, day by day. So there needs to be some level of direction for people that want to enter the conversation in a responsible manner and kind of find a way to assess all of these competing claims, these competing voices, um, and digest that content. And, you know, you can't really do that in the same way if you're already familiar with everything. It's just, you're, you're not coming at it from that kind of fresh angle. So, you know, I, I think sometimes people encounter our analysis and encounter our conduct, uh, content and their knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, these people, they haven't been researching this for, for decades and decades. Well, you know, most people coming into this right now won't have done that. So if you can't find a way to allow people to enter into the conversation and digest that stuff, then it's, it's going to continue just to be chaos and malarkey. Totally agree. Well, you're making space for your listeners to come along the journey with you. It's a yes, journey absolutely. of discovery. And you're right. A lot of uh, shows, a lot of content, it, it already kind of puts you right into the middle and assumes that you know what's going on. Uh, there are some times where that kind of a story is a story worth telling. 
And there are other times where you really do need to start from the beginning and, and bring people with you uh, through that journey. So I, I know you've been doing a lot of shows on Stephen Greer, which I also think is really cool. Uh, was that intentional? Did you plan to start with him or any other places you're thinking about going? Well, I, I think Stephen Greer was the beginning because, and that's another reason why why I wanted to to start this with Shane is it's so easy to just consume content very passively and to not necessarily slow it down and consider what exactly is being fed to you. So the first time I encountered Greer stuff and then you know shunted it off to to Shane, I was sort of like, oh wow, that's interesting, fun move along, didn't really think about it. But then a year or two later, when I went back to it, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not even sure that I'm always following or, or oriented exactly what he's saying and, and what he's doing. So Shane, do you want to say a little bit why we ended up in the, the Stephen Greer? Um, I think we started with Greer because we both did enjoy like the first time we saw one of his movies. Uh, I think for me, that was Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we both enjoyed them a lot. Um, and so, but, but as, as, as time went on, kind of, as Allison said, we we're like, wait, like there's something that's not really adding up here. Like this guy's just like saying a lot of things. Um, for the record, so- we, we have, sorry to interrupt you. I'm, I'll, I'll, this is my last interruption, but we have heard there's a lot of difference between the old Greer and, and the new Greer. So anyone that can provide information that, that seems to shine a light on the fact that he has had periods of more legitimacy or we're somehow misinterpreting what he's presenting now. We will absolutely listen to that. But having, you know, now watched every documentary several times in the full disclosure series on Gaia. Was it the shape of his calves? Like you're kind of looking and going, look, I want to, you know, I want to go to the gym. I want to work on my bent over rows. And then you're like, so I'm going to start looking into the sky. Because his of his biceps calves are beautiful. It's the hairy chest. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nathan. I'm... Well, no, I, um, <laughs> so I, I think that that's very good because, um, to me, Stephen Greer, it, it, it's easy to dogpile that guy, right? And everybody in the community is just like, ah, oh, he's the worst. Um, Except for the people that are like very, very, very much on. Team Greer is very, uh, yes, they're very vocally Team Greer. Um, and, that, and that says a lot about him too. But from my perspective with his story is it's um, like many stories in ufology, the more that you kind of get into it, you'll find a lot of these characters that, uh, you know, kind of get into it with good reasons through an experience or contacts or whatever. And it, it kind of spins out into this other thing that maybe was unintended that, becomes a little bit unhealthy. I think that that that's important for everybody that's interested in this topic to keep in perspective because it's very easy to spin out uh, and, uh, you know, lose control and and kind of, you can't find which way is up anymore, which way is down. Um, And I think you guys identified, at least from what I could tell, you know, kind of what some of the red flags were uh, just by, the time that you've spent analyzing a lot of his content. And, and I don't know if you have a particular one that stands out uh, for each of you, but I, you know, I certainly have some of my own, but what, what are some of the things that kind of struck you as like, maybe this, you know, went, went from being a good thing to now this seems a little bit dangerous. Uh, I, I think for me, the, the first one that comes to mind, and I, I think I first heard him say this when we were watching his disclosure series on Gaia, which is a 10 episode uh, thing. And he would be describing these ET experiences, but he would add these 
these caveats like if you weren't pure of heart you mm-hmm. you may not have been able to see something or if you came in with the wrong reasons um the the et would not a- appear to you and like to me i think the red flag there and and allison can speak to this as well because hers was a bit more intense than mine but like i had a, I had a religious upbringing mm-hmm. and so that just kind of reminds me it's like a religious angle now. It's like, well, I just can't be there and see it. Like my heart needs to be in the right place. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who decides where my heart is? Is it you? Right. You know? So I think that was, that was one of the big ones for me. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, to go back to the name, the secret knowledge, which, you know, is, is part fun, part irony, part, just part of our history. I'm immediately suspicious of anything that is free and accessible, but then all of a sudden these barriers start, start coming up. And as, as Shane said, you know, it's, it's hard to determine who is going to be to, to fit into the category. And when we started finding personal stories from people that have had interactions with him, it seemed like, well, those that are pure of heart seem to be those that are, are willing to take him at face value at a lot of the things that he you know, is purporting to be fact, but not giving substantive evidence of. Right. Well, J- James Iandoli, we, we can hook hook up uh, all of us at one point, and, and he might be able to give you a different perspective. He's somebody that, uh, although I'm not, you know, I haven't done CE5 or followed Dr. Greer or, or anything, but James might change your perspective on that a little oh. bit. So. And we, we're definitely, I mean, we're open to the, the CE5 experience for sure. I mean, we were supposed to do a, an interview with a couple of experiencers like way back that ended up falling through. But one way that we, we prepped for that interview was like really trying to embrace the CE5 experience. And, and while, you know, nothing happened to have happened that night, I mean, when there's inherent value in going out and trying to connect with whatever is out there, regardless of whether you get that response from something or not, that still has inherent value. So until I have that experience for myself, no, I I can't call it alien contact. But regardless of that, that's something I can still find value in. So I have not a qualm with anyone who practices CE5. And for those who have practiced it successfully, all I'm asking for is please lead me to that destination. Because if we're embarking to that destination hand in hand with Greer, I'm not going to arrive there. But you know, another way. There are, yeah, it's, it's for free. You can get those protocols free. And by the way, I think Nathan is absolutely falling in love with your perspective right now. And, uh, (laughs) but I'm going to tell you something, somebody that Stephen Greer admires in terms of their shoulder development is our hilarious kevin so uh kev take it away <laughs> <laughs> what's up you guys hey i finally, I finally got you on screen yeah, with me my oh my gosh so i i gotta say i met these two on ufo twitter i started listening to their their podcast and i just fell you in love with it I, I, I was and i started reposting and retweeting you guys way early on and i i love your analytical take and your deep dives nobody does deep dives I wanted yeah, to do deep dives. Deep dives definitely have annoyed oh. some, but but that's at least that's how I'm mm-hmm. hardwired. I've got it like I can't just make a decision on something. No, completely. like I, I have to hyper fixate just... completely. No, that's <laughs> I love that. Uh, there's a lot of true crime podcasts now. They do the deep dives because you, you have to. You have Woo. to do it. Some heavy man. Yeah, is, oh, people need goodness. that. I think it's really important. So also, um, 
I love the fact that you guys always inter you're interacting with your your listeners on UFO Twitter. You've been doing that for a long time. I noticed that you 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 get to know your listeners. You'll ask them questions. You got to know me. You sent me your poetry. We exchanged poetry. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was fun. Dude, I I'm gonna have to talk to Shane about that off air. I'm not telling you guys anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so anyway, um I wanted to actually start. I, I understand well, I wanted to know um actually more about Shane's experience, first of all. I'm gonna ask about that. He's an experiencer, not of UFO, it's more of an NDI type of experience. Um, I was wondering if you, you wanted to share that with us. So uh, there are really a lot of different directions, I guess we could go because I don't even know where to start this. I, I'll say, um, yeah. So wait, did you say my, the, 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 oh, the, okay. the part yeah. where yeah. you almost soiled your trousers. Let's get <laughs> that into one. that. Yes. So, you know, I've always wondered if maybe this is where it all started because it was around this age that I started experiencing stuff. Uh, But as far as that story goes, um, I was at my sister's softball game when I was about six years old and um, I was playing around with this stick and I was poking my mom with it. And uh, she said, go put that back where you found it. And I was really, you know, I was a kid and I was pissed. So I was going to be all like, sour about it and put it exactly back where I found it. So where I had found it was kind of near to the softball field. And when I walked over there, I must have not been paying attention. And I got hit uh, by a girl uh, taking practice swings. And uh, it just like completely knocked me out. And um, hit the, the chest, right? In the heart. I got, yeah, I got hit in the chest. And um, I'll sort of jump ahead and say a quick thing. I ended up going to the doctor uh, a day or two later. And I don't know who knows the the medical reality on this, but the doctor had said that he assumed that the bat must have hit me on a heartbeat as opposed to in between. And he thinks if I'd been hit between, I could have died. Um, so anyway, where it gets kind of crazy is I remember having this very vivid, who knows if it was dream, uh, who knows what it was. Um, Sorry, something just popped up on my computer. Uh, but I, they're I, trying to interact with you right now, to, man. They're, they're like, "Shut up, man! Don't tell them." <laughs> they're trying to get me, and now <laughs> it went away. Very strange. Um, so basically, what I remember seeing is I was in this uh, almost like meadow, and um, there was a river going through it, and it was like being on a moon because if I looked up into the sky, I could see the Earth. Um, so it was almost like I was standing on a moon of some kind. And um, I know I talked with two beings. I would later go on to call them angels. I don't know that that's what they actually looked like because um, I don't have that part of the memory. But later my mom said uh, that I said, don't worry, mom, I talked to the angels. So uh, who knows what that was all about. But basically what I remember is they, they told me that I could stay and hang out with them. Or if I wanted, I could go back to Earth. And uh, I guess I must have chosen to come back to Earth because here I am. Um, and I'm glad you did because this is a lot of work. So. <laughs> Nathan, can you give Dolores Cannon a call while we're on air? I already got her on speed okay, dial. Thank, yeah. thank you. <laughs> nice, nice. Get that regression. That's amazing. Awesome. So that is, yeah, is that despite our, you know, 
I think if you were to listen to just bits and snatches of our, our work, you just assume like, wow, like they're definitely just all in the skeptic camp. Yeah. They're not mm -hmm. open to stuff. But Shane has had a variety of paranormal experiences. And I've had, you know, my own assortment of spiritual and or drug experiences where, where you know, you have sensations that you're not able to fully explain. So we, we are interested in in what is out there well i'm interested in what your experience is too allison is there anything you would like to share well <laughs> so i, I it, my experiences i think are what lead me to being very critical not very critical but but not trustworthy of the sensation of a spiritual experience so interesting I'll, so for instance, I was raised in a Pentecostal, you know, non-denominational evangelical church. So a primary doctrine of that, you know, denomination is speaking in tongues. So as a child for, you know, years and years, you're going to the Jesus camps and you're like, you're, you're gunning for it because that's, and I wanted it so bad because that is the sign that you're not going to hell. And as a child, when you're told, you know, repeatedly that, you know, if you're not saved, that you know you're going to hell you're just earnestly searching for the proof that that isn't going to happen so you know jesus camp one no dice i go home I'm, you know i'm not i'm upset about it and similar to what shane was saying about being pure of heart you know i've been told you know i'm not having enough faith i'm not you know i have too much doubt uh, I, you know, I'm not being pure of heart enough to, to get that sign of having been saved. So I go to Jesus camp again, strike out again. So I come back. I'm even, you know, I, I'm seeing that even still, like it's, it's not happening for me. I go again. Mm. And by this time, you know, I'm about to enter into maybe eighth grade or, or something like that. So I think this was kind of like the, the turning point that if it didn't happen for me, then, I don't know that I would have had the rep receptiveness later on for it to happen, but I eventually ended up being able to, to speak in tongues. And when you, when you do that, that feels like a, a very genuine spiritual experience. And I'm not saying it wasn't, but I was told what that experience specifically was, which was an, a proof that I'm saved by Jesus. So then years later, when my, my worldview changes, I have different beliefs about things. Some of the old things fall away. You know, I become more receptive to, to different ideas. Looking back, it's like, mm, okay, I, I know that that happened for me. I believe that it's, you know, real in that sense that it was a physical thing that I experienced. And I know that there are a lot of people in other spiritual disciplines that have their own spiritual experiences that are proof that a specific, not a specific thing is happening. Not, you know, you're just having this like intense spiritual experience. It's like, this means this is true full stop. So knowing or, or feeling like now as an adult that that experience was not as it was represented to me as a child. When I hear people having very intense you know, contact experiences or meditative experiences, and they interpret them in a very specific way, I'm always skeptical of that because I know what it is like to hold a belief so concretely that you can only see it from that particular viewpoint. And when that falls away, you realize, oh, I, I can be so wrong about things, or, or there can be so much that I don't know about a particular thing. It 
it makes you question when you see that in other people that they have the level of, or they are as certain as they purport themselves to be. That makes sense. I love it. I've never heard concretely used in a sentence, so that was amazing. Nathan's freaking out. Uh, Nathan is... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nathan uh, also grew up in uh, in a household as a uh, pastor's yeah. son and, and went to seminary. Doesn't it seem like a and lot of people so, that were raised in these very fundamentalist, very narrow-minded, very closed-off... I know you guys are going to love each other. <laughs> right here. Yeah, L- although like, I was raised fundamentalist, so I, I came at it from, uh, from the liberal wing of the church. So, uh, But I think you're right. Th- those who have had a spiritual history of some kind uh it's not uncommon to find them in in this community uh but you know that being said too you'll find a lot of people with spiritual history in the west so you know it's it's not uncommon for a lot of americans to you know have that in their in their history to some degree but i love that story that's and i want to come back back to that it's not my turn so i'm going to pass it over to deb yes Hi, Deb. <clears throat> hello everybody Hi, deb. so since you guys are the secret knowledge, maybe you can help me with something I've been pondering lately. I've noticed that in human history, at least in our stories, we have a tendency to punish or um, basically torture those who seek knowledge. Um, and I was looking at the stories of like Prometheus, uh, Pandora with the box and the Garden of Eden. Um, when I came up with that. So I was just wondering what your thoughts are on why it is, especially even also with the UFO community, people are uh, penalized for trying to get more information or told, you know, wait, (laughs) you know, essentially. Why do you think humans are treated that way? Maybe, uh, well, I have actually kind of two things I want to say to this. My kind of heady answer is like, maybe there's some sort of defense mechanism in, in communities where it's like, if you if you start thinking too differently or if you start if, if you go out of bounds you're gonna like put us all in danger or something you know what i mean maybe it's some sort of weird primal thing or maybe it's even um some sort of of envy where like certain people are very set in a certain pattern of thinking and when they see others reaching beyond that they want them to be you know punished for it it's like how how dare you like decide to see the world differently uh than uh, me but i'm not sure i actually think that's like a brilliant question i might have to think about that for like months <laughs> like bonus check for deb's we, we uh, might Nathan. have to come back and talk about that again um <laughs> but i i do want to say like this is kind of somewhat related like i i really believe or I, I at least hope that in a community uh like this that there can be a better melding of skepticism and belief, because I really do think both can benefit the other. Um, and for for what it's worth, I do think those who seek knowledge or those who have had experiences, I often think skeptics are very mean to them. Um, I think people go through emotional trauma because of how they're treated. Um, I think that some skeptics just forget they're talking to like someone who's a human and who has their own life. And I think that's what's made this dichotomy of like the skepticism is bad. Um, and, but I, and to, I to just kind of piggyback off of that, like the spiritual experiences can can be real, even if a skeptic doesn't necessarily know what what is happening to that person. So I, I just don't really see an excuse for bullying 
a person for whatever their interpretation of what happened to them uh, is when when we, we know, and I know from my own spiritual experience, like if you had addressed me in regard to the speaking in tongues back then, I mean, it, it just would have been very different. So I just don't know why, like Shane said, that, that it has to be couched in, in those terms. There is no excuse. And, and sort of at the same time, though, I, I do hope that on the other side of things, people can also understand that some claims are so extraordinary that it's just natural to ask questions and, and, and to seek to understand them more. Sometimes I don't even know if it's a certain type of knowledge seeker who's punished. I think we just punish each other for crossing the lines that we've drawn ourselves. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. That's an amazing question. I need to like think about that some more. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. What do you think, Allison? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I think my immediate answer is that I'm not particularly qualified to answer that question. I mean, it seems like more of an anthropological or, or historical question, but, but my answer would be very similar to, to what you are saying, which is that we seem to, to create communities where we like things to be in this very linear, very cookie cutter way. And when things deviate from that, people, you know, don't like it. They get scared. They, they don't want their, their status quo uh, to shift. And, and obviously that, that doesn't just apply to experiencers that, that permeates the culture. And in that way, if we can figure out how to better address that here in this own little you know corner of, of the niche of the world here in ufology, I don't see any reason why that can't be applied to other communities as well. I think you guys are actually like role models for this in a way from what I'm hearing and what I've seen thus far. And that is, is that you can be skeptical because you said, you know, I think Shane just said you can ask a question. You know, you can ask a difficult question, but a lot of times it's how you say it, how many times you say it, how you respond to it. Like if I said to you, Shane, wow, your hair looks great. You'd be like. Okay, DJ's making fun of my hair, but if I say, Shane, for real, man, your hair looks great, Holmes. Like, I'm so jealous. Like, <laughs> it looks awesome. So I said the same thing, but right. it's how you say it. And a lot of people don't know how to ask a question and then be respectful of the answer and say, okay, I didn't get the answer I wanted, um, but I got an answer. Uh, and I'm not going to try to change their answer by badgering them. And that's what I think some people don't get in, in how to do it. But what I was going to ask you, uh, Allison, so that was my that was my big statement for the night, man. Look, I can talk. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I made Allison laugh. It only took uh, how many minutes we had? 34 minutes, Nathan. It was hard earned, man. OK, back to OK, back to the lecture at hand. Um, so you spoke earlier about rabbit holes and so I and 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 that skepticism, you know, Nathan's a skeptic. People really don't know that that mm -hmm. in, in the in the wider UFO community, Nathan's a skeptic, but he's also knows how to be skeptical in a way uh, that doesn't irritate somebody who's had an experience. And we've had <laughs> a number of experiences, experiencers on the show tell very heartfelt stories. So I was going to ask you to use sort of an Air Force term. What's your callsman filter? for how to ingest uh, a situation, uh, a narrative that someone gives you and be skeptical, but at the same time be sympathetic or, or empathetic to what they've gone through. 
I think my first point to this question is it, there is a difference between dealing with, not dealing with, but, but encountering and conversing with a, a person face-to-face who has had an experience who is just relaying that to you and an experiencer like Stephen Greer, who is making a lot of money, right. who is building organizations, who has political, financial, you know, just, just power and influence. So I think sometimes people react to the Greer stuff like, oh man, they're really bullying Greer, but it's like, that that's a public figure. We, for someone that enters into the public discourse in that way, I think it makes sense to to analyze them differently than I would just a person coming to me and saying, hey, I've had this this experience. Here's what happened. And the only way I can imagine conversing with someone who has had an experience is to, to take them at face value and to ask them questions about, you know, what were the specific things that happened to them? What frame of mind were they in? But mostly I think it's just, you have to listen. I mean, when, when I had that interview with Osvaldo, I hadn't met him previously. I mean, you just have to, to let people talk. And then when you're hearing those stories time after time, after time, after time, maybe a pattern emerges, but, but maybe you're just dealing them with them on an, an individual level. Well, I'll drink to that. Money, Nathan. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's allergy season, so I apologize. Uh, so, I, you know, coming back to this topic, I mean, we're actually kind of the same topic, really. But um, there's, and being folks that are really into literature, you know, it's, it seems to me that there's, we all have a certain degree of narrative coherence that we try to maintain, um, and that's, you know, a story has this as well. So, if you're writing something, you, you try to have a coherent story that has kind of de- defined boundaries for the reader, you know, um, but we have, we, we, we do this as well in our own lives. We have a, a coherence that kind of packages the events of our lives into a, you know, into a neat little narrative. And I think, you know, secret knowledge often represents a threat to that level of coherence, right? So it's almost like an immune response that we have when there is something that's coming at us that, that, that you know, threatens to to decohere our narrative, you know, so we, we have a natural instinctual reaction against that. But there, but there, but it's also you know, in terms of like, I think like inoculating us against this problem, right? We need some way to uh, sort of suspend that, or uh, as you said, like li- listening is a tool that does this for us uh, by instead of being quick to like engage and and kind of push back against something by listening we internalize Mm -hmm. what the other is saying to us we we make it part of ourselves by speaking we keep them at bay you know so Mm -hmm. there's this kind of balance there or dance there uh, and i just you know as you approach the topic and have articulated it so well you know and as being part of this community too, I mean, are, are there things that we can do in a virtual context that help us with this? Because I think, as you said very well, in person, this is a lot easier, but virtually, mm-hmm. and, and also this is where we see the most vitriolic kind of displays in the virtual spaces. What are things we can do in these vir- virtual areas that help us suspend and make space for these different narratives? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one challenge is, to this, I don't know if this is going to be an answer, but I think one challenge is that social media, you know, people used to type out 1,000, 2,000 word posts on like forums, you know, and you would read it and respond and even quote certain sentences. 
And I kind of think that platforms like Twitter, for example, when they make answers be shorter, it makes people meaner. It makes people misunderstand each other more. Um, and I think having lost the, the forum as like the more go-to means to communicate in the virtual space, I think has been a big loss. Um, but I do think shows like this, honestly, I mean, I think being able to speak and to sit down together is one of the best ways. And, and also, I, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if any other options come, come immediately to mind other than being kind and um, realizing that there's a lot of power in, 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 in narrative for, 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 for good or for bad, you know, um, and letting someone tell their story. I was actually gonna bring this up earlier. Uh, there's a book that had like a profound uh, effect on me. It's called The Wounded Storyteller. And it has a lot to do with how, you know, some people who deal with chronic medical conditions, <clears throat> they don't ever really feel that they find answers within the healthcare system. Um, and a lot of people don't even feel that their doctors actually listen to them. And um, one of the, the core pushes of this book is just like, find people who will hear your story of chronic pain, the ways that it's changed, the ways you've tried to treat it over the course of years. And sometimes just the the owning of your own story can like really teach you what, what your path to better health is uh, going to be. And, and so I think I, like I, the, I, the metaphor there would be the trauma of having, I'm using my hands because I, I know that you're talking about your, the, the carpal tunnel syndrome yeah. symptoms that you have, but, but that would be like the trauma an experiencer has when over and over they're trying to reveal the right. story that they've had and just having it discounted over and over again. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, we, we've got to just give people the space to, to share their story in its full, in its full context. Mm -hmm. And if you are an experiencer, then the pushback becomes part of that story. Um, and I just think people need need the space to 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 be able to do it um, because there's power in those stories. So. And occasionally I run into not directed at us. I will say that my experiences speaking with people on Twitter and just the UFO community in general have been, you know, very I, I can't think of a negative one off the top of my head. Um, so, so they they have been fine, but there does seem to sometimes be in just like the tweet atmosphere, occasionally be someone that doesn't like podcasters or small podcasters or people that aren't already experts. But it's like, well, we have enough figureheads talking amongst themselves. It seems like what is more beneficial to all of us here on the ground is intermingling and digesting these, these ideas together. And if you have someone with a motivation or with a goal, there, of course, that bias is going to, to, to pollute it in a way that a more public discourse among equals is, is not. So, you know, like Shane is saying, the problem with this Twitter is that like just that social medium in, in general kind of breeds uh, animosity. And I, I don't think that's a secret about Twitter. I mean, it's often often kind of a rough, rough place to be. Um, but more forums in that sense. But I guess, yeah, something like this where, where it is a public forum where people can, can come and say their stories, but it's, it's a more long form format. So more extended conversations, less, you know, 140 characters. Well, the three of you, Nathan, uh, Shane, and Allison, already said it. Listening is the key. So I, I could come on here and talk UFOs for an hour and a half by myself 
and not learn one thing. So the reason I have uh, three co-hosts sitting here is because every week, no matter what happens or how many questions I ask or how much I talk, I don't have an opportunity to learn unless I have other people around me that are maybe smarter than me, different perspectives, uh, uh, different, you know, came up differently, different educational backgrounds. Now we've just added two to that mix. So everybody's going to leave this experience tonight richer mm -hmm. uh, and thinking, about, mm, okay, I didn't think of that. And that's, that's why you do this. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you could sit there and monologue and sound really cool with the, with the script for an app, but you're not going to learn anything. So that's, and if Especially we just if listen, you're bringing people on that are only, you know, already in, in whatever feel sure. like diehard skeptics are talking over here, diehard experiences are talking over here. If, if there's no intermingling, of course, no progress is going to, to, to be made. So what I appreciate in the experiencers that I have spoken with is if you can give me what you think is your, your best path to how I can believe that is what I want. Take me on the journey with you. What do you think the steps are? And when you don't have an answer for something or you don't know, stop there. Don't, you know, go, go, don't extend further than, than you can explain in the experience. Um, but, but that's what I would like from experiencers in the community. That's for Shane and Allison uh, right now. That's all I got to say, Kevin. Mm -hmm. So talking about experiencers, I'm a, I'm literally a skeptical <laughs> experiencer. I mean, I am that, you know, I'm a behaviorist, even the way I, I recorded my experience was just, it was all functional analysis format. Very you, boring. You talking about the lost time? Yeah, thing? just that, that alone. The Anjali interview? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that little thing, yeah. Um, so, um, do you guys actually, you, you remember that graphic I made about UFO Twitter? Um, I kind of compare okay. it to that Skinner oh. box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you remember that? I, I still kind of stand by it. I still think we're being intermittently reinforced. Um, but I, I'm still confused at who is at the top. Like, I mean, who do you think is benefiting from this trip feed of information in your guys' opinions? Well, I, I, Shane, do you want to take that one? I have a tentative answer. You can take that one. My tentative <laughs> answer is that, that that's why we've had to do 13 there's going to be a 14th, just yeah! 14th rear episode, just saying anyone that's sick of rear, there's one more in the pipeline. Um, but, but I think that's why it's, it's, you can't answer that question. I think without going deeper on the voices that are the strongest voices in, in the community. And I don't, I think it's kind of dangerous to, to say that people should be deplatformed because that then does the thing that we were just talking about where it's like everybody believes this thing or over here and only talking amongst themselves and, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, but the only thing I know to do is just to focus on uh, approximately one person at a time and then vet them. And at the point that I vetted them to, to, to my, you know, standards, if, if they're not meeting them, putting them on the back burner and saying, Hey, if you have information, you're not presenting it in a way that I can digest it. So I have no choice but but to disregard you until you go like check your homework and you know make some edits or something. Okay, just don't ever do that to me. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm scared now. Man, uh, I don't want to see a red pen if I send you a message. Okay, oh. Shane or Allison. I just want, I'm just kidding. 
Debs, what you got, girlfriend? I give us another. I know we got another. Another. Yeah, this this here. one's gonna be deep. You ready for it? <laughs> Did you ever find out more about the alien soccer ball that was microwaved? <laughs> Dude, okay, <laughs> no, but. That moment, so uh, again, I'm not trying to dogpile on Greer, okay? Um, but we were watching that episode of, of the Gaia series, and there's just this moment where it's like, not only is there a hidden lab, like, underground, but also there's a box that, like, beings come out. I don't know. It was it was crazy. Um, I, why did we end up... It's a very detailed and convoluted story, but... Said, do you remember why we picked soccer ball i don't remember what I, is the soccer they ball describe it they describe i mean they think they oh, describe right, it, right, right. Don't they? <laughs> wait when yeah. you say hidden lab do you mean labrador retriever apparently like, <laughs> yes okay so, like so for background the, okay. apparently the ball like told them to destroy it <laughs> yes now it's coming back to me yeah <laughs> this is like wilson <laughs> And this was in the Lockheed Skunk, Skunk Works lab, correct? I think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. It, our, our qualm, you know, I would love to believe that story. I think that's amazing. If there's a piece of alien technology that's capable of talking to us and flying around the room, sign me up for, for that. Like, that sounds awesome. Uh, but but our, our issue with that story was less that, like, is this improbable? It, it does seem improbable, but, hey, we're open. But it's more like this was a story that had, like, layers and layers and layers and layers of things that needed proof and to be established. And this was in an episode of, of Greer's Gaia series uh, when he's relaying the story to Billy Carson. Billy Carson? I think so. Billy Carson. Um, and... You know, I know Gaia is mostly speaking to an audience that already is in agreement about what might be happening with with the phenomenon or, or other paranormal um, experiences. But Greer is purporting to have so much secret knowledge that we are to take at face value and believe. It just doesn't make sense to Shane and I. If that story is so amazing show your work to some degree. Don't just say that story offhanded. That's not, you know, a three minute story to toss into the episode. That's like a two hour documentary. Yeah, that's a whole just book. on that story to show us your sources on, on that particular thing. The math professor is coming out. Show us how I don't want just the answer. Show us how you got to that Everyone's answer, but you didn't tonight. memorize it. Right yeah. <laughs> Get to, go up to the blackboard. I just want to say that if anyone's watching who does FOIAs and they want a FOIA alien soccer ball, I'm looking for your docs. Mm -hmm. John, I know you're watching Greenwald. I mean, what could you be doing right now? So anyway, anyway, um, you know, it's interesting. There's sort of a a roulette wheel of theories. It's a very slow moving roulette wheel in, in ufology that seems to, you know, like if we went back like, you know, maybe four or five months ago, everybody's talking about DNA manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a period where we were talking about uh, we were talking about dimensions. 
um, we were talking about, oh, there may be, you know, like bases under the water that we can't access. I mean, geez, you know, there's, you know. And now it's anomalous health syndrome, <laughs> I would say. Is kind well, of the, yeah, the we've had that, right? Because Gary Nolan brought that up with the mm-hmm. orbs passing through the body and all that. And then some people are actually back to uh, the actual uh, where uh, other galaxies that are just traveling here, you know, and possibly popping in through a uh, what Deb calls them wormholes. I don't even know what that is other than I have them in my yard, thankfully. <laughs> and that's because I don't use Roundup and no chemicals on go. my on my uh, my garden. That's the reason why I have the wormholes. But in any case, what is the theory that resonates with you guys the most? Is there sort of something that when you hear about, like Nathan knows when I heard about uh, DNA manipulation and the missing link, I was freaking out. So what's what's got you guys? What's got you, Shane? You're, you're excited. Busted. Okay, thank yeah. you. I just want to say thank you for asking this because I just think something people might not know if they listen to our content is that this is really, I just love talking about crazy shit all the time. Like, the, <laughs> Like, I just, because I could talk about any of this stuff. My roommate actually earlier was listening to a new Joe Rogan podcast with with Duncan Trussell in it. Mm -hmm. And that was just a whole cacophony of uh, alternate dimensions and virtual reality and all sorts of great things. Um, I will say something that I think kind of has my heart, or at least something that I think kind of uh, makes sense to me. I do like the idea that like the usage of nuclear weapons has attracted the attention of like aliens in like some way. Um, I know and the there's timeline some... makes sense for that in some ways. Yeah, and I like yeah. the timeline. I, I like the whole theory that perhaps by using a weapon like that on our planet, we're causing damage to to places you know far far away. I mean, I just I don't know why, but it's always resonated with me. Um, there's but evidence to support that, Shane. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There's evidence to support that theory, significant evidence. So, which is why I think it, it's so compelling to me. I mean, I could, I think, talk about that for hours. Um, but yeah, I also love interdimensional those, those links. <laughs> yeah, send, send me the link. One other thing I'll say though, before Allison chimes in, um, and this could be kind of weird, but I kind of have a personal theory, and maybe this isn't my own. Maybe I didn't come up with it, but sometimes I wonder if the shapes themselves are the bodies you know they're not even ships or or crafts but like there's some sort of just thing we can't even imagine like that's just the shape that's the creature itself or that's the et i don't know i mean i i just i love thinking of it that way you know there's evidence for that too okay (laughs) sorry i just had to say it there's evidence for that too and i'm interviewing someone specifically about that soon Oh, amazing. Well, I'll be there. I'll be in the chat. Deb's Data Dojo. If you guys mm-hmm. want to follow her, it's at Deb's Data Dojo. She's part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love the Anjali interview that I, I listened to. I'm, I mean, I guess that was a few months ago, a few weeks ago. My crush, a few weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like months, but yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I was thinking of that interview when you talked about the linguistics issue and your podcast about people saying things that they shouldn't say to the public and it's not very consumable. Sorry, I was thinking about that because I said the same thing to her. <laughs> so so are, are you saying that you don't necessarily think that everything needs to be public that can't be on interesting? Okay, so, so that's, 
No, she's I saying density. Density, like using terms like density, mm-hmm. people like me are thinking overcooked pound cake. You know, so I think Deb's saying that she should use terms that a lot of people that resonate with people mm-hmm. more than using a term like density. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, Nathan, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, before I go, I wanted to make sure, Deb, you had oh. your uh, follow up if you still have it. Oh, no, I already had it. I want the foyers on the soccer ball. That was oh, it. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was that follow up. Cynthia's <laughs> soccer ball is a little concerning. That's for sure. Um, Wilson! Yeah. <laughs> There was that soccer ball design a few years ago. It was probably like 15 years ago that like wasn't any good. It was like this brand new design where they were going to use less straps or something. And it ended up like flying in oblong ways. It was probably that (laughs) soccer ball that was like, end me, you know, I'm not good. Uh, Anyway. It's with the underground Labrador. Who who knew Adidas had this technology? Yeah. Do you think maybe just someone really misunderstood the ball in that movie Castaway, and that's what happened? That's yeah, why I've been right? screaming, Wilson. Come yeah. on, Debs. Okay, okay. Maybe they had just done the movie. I get it. Yeah. You know? uh, well, I, yeah, I was going to ask a question kind of about um, ontologies. I want to go back to sort of what you said. Uh, <laughs> DJ loves every time I use that word. But, you know, the, our ability to to know anything at all, right? And, and so I want to come back to your experience um, growing up as a Pentecostal and, you know, kind of wanting that moment and, and that moment, you know, eventually coming. I, I've had no people, plenty of people in my life who've been exactly in that same place, but who've, who've gotten to that speaking in tongues moment. And it's been very real to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the way you put it is, I think, you know, the way that many one would have put it, if you've kind of gone through that and, and looked at other experiences in other pockets of humanity where they've had the same kind of, uh, in a sort of visceral connection to whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So my question, I guess, if I could distill it down is what is ultimately knowable and true? Is it, is it, is it true to say that these were all sort of individualized or, uh, pocketized like, uh, delusions or, is there something true that is underneath all of these disparate experiences? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I'm mystified by the level of certainty. Actually, Shane and I were talking about this just last night. I'm just mystified by the, the need for certainty. I, I, I don't know why more of us on more topics, on more things, can't just kind of like be okay in, in the not knowing of, of most things or you know, things of a spiritual nature in this way. It was encountering other cultures in other religions that had a presentation of speaking in tongues, which was labeled as as something else in their culture Mm -hmm. that was sort of like the first domino to be like, oh, this thing that was like proof written in all caps for my experience being represented of this specific idea is now definitely called into question if there are people on other side of the globe that are having those same, I want to use the word symptom, but that's not quite the right presentation Mm -hmm. um, happening to them in a very different context, but to, to much the same sort of sensation within, within the body and within the mind. So for me with this project, I don't think I really need to be certain about most things. Like, of course I want, proof. I I want truth. I I want to know, but I'm more interested in finding that place in myself where I know I'm walking the line of 
openness that is beneficial and pleasurable and and takes me to better places in my life than I am needing to to, to know. I, I don't really feel like I need to know in most things, except when it comes to someone that is manipulating others with their beliefs. At that point, I think we need to to kind of like blow the air horn and be like, hey, you can listen to this guy, but there's some context you should be made aware of. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Shane, what do you think? You know, uh, to sort of bring literature into this um, and, and to also almost just echo Allison, I mean, I've always loved stories that are ambiguous. Um, I mean, you're like, I'm I may be the one person who loves Lost, okay? Like, no, Lost is amazing. Lost is amazing. I think I don't like Lost. I just have, I'm one of the people with the qualm with the last well, five the, minutes. The end of the, the show episode. ruins the show, which is unfortunate. But, you know. Shane has like some argument to, to the opposite effect, Look, but that's probably its own show. Any invitation, anyone out there listening, if you watch Lost with me, I will explain it all. Um, I will. I'll take him up on that. It's a lot of viewing time. A lot of people do that. You've got a full time job on your hands. Maybe, uh, (laughs) maybe that's our next deep dive. There you go. Um, No, but I think I've just always loved books and stories that are able to exist in a realm of uncertainty. I'm not saying that I reject resolution or anything, but I've never really minded if a story kind of leaves me at a jumping off point, if I feel like I have the tools to build from there as a reader or watcher or, or, or listener to sort of play in that space and be like, well, maybe something like this would have happened next or, or maybe it's not even about what's happening next though. I just, I I don't need resolution, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's it's, I guess what I'm getting at. I I love ambiguity. So. I just want to jump into one thing. I just want to say when we talk about experts, you know, when you say you're not an expert, nobody on this panel, none of us are experts. They're, the, the people who you guys know a lot, though, I've listened. I, no, no I, I, but I want to be for real. I want to be for real for a second. The people that have an intimate amount of knowledge with verified proof have knowledge of craft or materials or being you're talking about. I don't know what the numbers are that are that are familiar and actively interested in investigating to the degree we are in ufology, but I would bet that it's well less than 1% of people that actually know something mm-hmm. that's verifiable. So in, in my mind, we're all in great company here because none of us are experts and we're just sharing ideas. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah. all I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think looking into the people themselves is so important where, you know, maybe each individual story, I mean, that's just too much. We can't go through story by story in one, access the information and two, none of us have enough time on our hands to do that. So a way for, for me to get into the topic at least is, is to choose someone to think about how they're presenting the information. If the way they are presenting it is something that a reasonable person can follow and glean the information from it's like okay well i don't know that what they're saying is accurate but i can trust how they're they're feeding it to me which is why um so not to just go right to the plug but we just uploaded an episode about the phenomenon uh which is a documentary that we mm. both really liked it's something, something we acknowledge we, we're not a current events channel. Yeah. We, we know this came out in 2020, but well, it did. It's a great movie. Yeah. Okay, I'm just kidding. And, and something that we love about it is 
just how well it conveys information to the person watching it and how, and, and actually Allison pointed this out to me, but how you don't just get one person's take on something. You'll get someone who experienced something two days before in a nearby area. You'll get multiple people chiming in on one event. And it just does such a great job of conveying information to the viewer. And I think that's why a lot of times Allison and I, we aren't really analyzing, is the alien story true? We're kind of just interested in how the story is told and like mm -hmm. what what is asked of us as the person listening. Um, so that's why we love that movie because I just, I can still remember the first day I saw that movie and I was convinced by the end of everything, but it's just so well-made. It's just so good and so easy to watch. So, yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, UFOs seem to me to be this balance between the ineffable and the certain, which is sort of what we're talking about. We, we're, we, we all do like certainty in some areas. We like knowing that if I can, you know, if I follow the traffic rules, I'm probably not going to get broadsided by another vehicle. If we all do it, we're going to have a pretty safe driving experience. But we also need to make room in our lives for these ineffable, mystical, uh, you know, unknowns. Uh, and so, but but it's the you know coming back to your, the, your your show, the secret knowledge, and those that wield it. You know, it's it's those people that are the ones that that can be dangerous, right? That they they take that. Uh, they take a license to essentially wield those secrets for power and control people. Especially uh, when we're, we're living in a time where people are just like jamming mm. information into their head 24 seven, consuming it. Like how often are we just listening to something when we're doing the dishes or, or doing, you know, just our, our day to day life. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but, but that is like a level of receptivity, just like literally in, in your brain that when you're not, paying attention to exactly what is said you are like literally in a trance like sort of a, mm. a, a an ex what's the word i'm looking for just a more receptive point that if you're mm. hearing those things over and over again and not questioning them at some point you're going to believe in it but you didn't actually go on the journey of belief you sort of skipped over it because it's like oh that i've heard that before that's true that's definitely you know, for certain. You just took but, it in. Mm -hmm, you just exactly. took it in. So, yeah. So I think we do really need to pay attention, especially in the UFO community, to to how things are being presented. And sure, like listen to something when you're doing the dishes, but maybe listen to it again. Like my MotoGP podcast. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let me. <laughs> let me uh, Nathan, did you have anything further? Because I don't want to. No, I don't want to hog the mic. So I'll pass it over to, to Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Headphones. Look Hi. Great. Hair Thank looks you. great. John Lennon, everything's working right now. It's okay, you guys can go back to talking now. <laughs> okay, no, I'm kidding. Ah, you guys like you. You went over all the answers to my questions, so that's that's me copping out. I have um, <laughs> I have a lightning round for you. Woo! Hey, right. Speaking of um, what were we talking about? Just uh, free will and determinism? No, we weren't talking about that, were we? Okay. <laughs> Good segue. I like it. Can can I say one thing though, Kev? Uh, for up? everybody on the panel tonight, uh, including the the cabbies, if you can weave a song title, the, any parts of lyrics of a song into your answers tonight, uh, it'll be like five points for Gryffindor um, or whatever your house of choice is. Oh, you're Ravenclaws, aren't you? I can I can <laughs> feel it. <laughs> so anyway, if you can weave a song title, you know, if that could happen, I just, I just want to say that. You can. Actually, I, I mean, I was going to do yes and no, but 
you know, you, you can, this, these are just prompts to talk really, just to get you to say something funny or angry or, you know, embarrassing. Okay, so the first question is free will versus determinism. No, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> that's, that's too heavy, man, that's too heavy. All right, do you think Gobekli Tepe was once a, a restroom? Chris is going to kill you. Go ahead. Allison. Is it... I, okay. I, everyone's got to go at some point anywhere Thank they you. are. So, you know, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to question what people had to do in the privacy of their own. There. Go begley Tepe. There you I, go. Okay, so there's there you there's go. this really cool show on, on, uh, that centers around that, uh, mm -hmm. land mark or, worship mm -hmm. center whatever it is it's really interesting to me that the show is all about like feminine energy and feminine power and like the divine woman but i you know six months or so i looked into it and aren't there just like can i can you say dicks on cam <laughs> yeah, i suppose so i mean it is a person's name after all <laughs> phallic, yeah. phallic symbol richard's rife in go begley tepe and i was like well that's an interesting yeah. right for the show to make this all about women and it's full of well that, yeah mm -hmm. it was just you know men go here women right. go here just, <laughs> just the signage easy. right i mean yeah it's just the signs i felt like we were on yeah. i-40 just outside of albuquerque when, when you did that that whole i don't know if you guys have seen but kevin actually made a whole and what do you call that kevin what you made he basically put a restroom in gobekli tepe he did so yeah virtually. yeah i did Digitally. i did he's a visionary no it's a rest area it looks like oh, it's just a full, full i put a i put a roof on it it just looks like a rest area it seriously yeah. does man yeah. Oh, no. yeah i could i mean <laughs> i went with the metal roof <laughs> yeah. it's good it'll last longer yeah <laughs> totally totally okay i got another question um so uh, shane so do you think ingesting copious amounts of prune juice will prevent an alien abduction <laughs> No, I, I don't well, think it will prevent. Um, why? If anything, it could even just bring it on. I, that's actually been. I've, I've seen that. I, that's <laughs> been my method of, of trying to attract them to me. I haven't. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm doing it. Hey, honey, get the prune juice ready. It hasn't worked it. so far, but I feel great. I feel 10 pounds lighter. <laughs> Nathan, nice. Nathan, we have never conquered colonic yeah. exploits of any kind on this show. No. Great. no uh, this is great. cleansings. Yes. Diarrhea. Right. This is a new kind of deep dive. It really yeah. is. <laughs> it, it, good one. Those Nathan. of you who said Nathan, I, he, he has a, yes, he has a sense of humor. He Thank does. You. He has very good puns. Like I don't do puns. His are very good. <laughs> okay. Do you, so another question. Did you even answer? Oh well. Do you think I'm an alien? Yes. Okay. Cool. Oh, uh, he didn't Allison. even hesitate. Your ears are glowing. I'm it's alien American. Okay. Come Your on. Background now. looks like you're on oh, an alien. It's planet. like from the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> ah. Uh, okay. Um, would you consider extraterrestrials to be elitists? Because you know the breeding program. Mm. <laughs> yes, I, I think so too. They're trying to breed a perfect person. Look, That's not okay. 
I read Dune all the way to Dune 5 when oh, it gets wow. weird and sexual and strange all the time. And wow. I think absolutely. I, I think I think they want to they want to breed mm. the best. So mm. and I don't know if that's gonna be me. I have asthma. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We can breed that out. Um right? <laughs> we can use CRISPR and that'll be gone. But um as far as uh, just your opinion, uh, I'd like Shane and Allison, sorry to Bogart on your thing, no. think of um, aliens. Uh, as, okay, I shouldn't say that because <laughs> Anjali's going to like slap me. The beings would extract biological materials from humans because dot, dot, dot. Like us answer that question. I'm, I'm Yeah, gonna... do it. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What would be the purpose of that? If that's happened, it's happened because. Okay. So <laughs> I yes. got into aliens because I had an uncle that just would show me all of the uh, like alien autopsy documentaries when I was like, you know, three, five years old. I'm a very, I, I don't like to be scared. I once, they had to shut down the movie, The Blob in my first grade class because I started crying, like, like violently crying. So like, I don't, I don't like to be scared. So the imprint of those alien autopsy documentaries on my young brain actually led me to be very, very afraid of aliens. And we, we lived on a farm, so it was very dark out on the farm. So I was terrified of going outside at night because then we watched the, the movie Signs. And I Children was just of like, the corn. And yeah, the corn and the, the leg, you can see it. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so up until very recently, I couldn't hardly broach the topic of aliens without like having a sensation of, of fear. And I kind of lost where I was going with this question. You, oh, you, but, okay. why They want biological material yes. because if that in so, fact has happened. I would leave the barn light on, which was a problem for my father. So I would be instructed to go turn the barn light off and I would be afraid of getting abducted and or just seeing an alien in the distance from my house to the barn. But I would say before I went out there, I was like, if you take me, just make me smarter, please just make me smarter. And they never would. So I hope if they're coming here, please Make me smarter. That is what I want. That is what I'm asking for the aliens. That's what I hope they're doing with us. I'm tired of this brain. I would like an upgrade. I think you're smarter than they are. Shane, yeah. um, they're take, if, in fact, they've taken biological material, they're taking it because? Because they want to be our friends. Uh, and and, and this, is, this is why. Nathan, can you give me a skin sample? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm bringing this to literature once again. Uh, in a men, when Lenny is petting those rabbits, he doesn't mean to kill them. He, he thinks he thinks he's petting them and taking care of them. Mm. And Go maybe, to John Steinbeck, I love it. <laughs> maybe maybe they just like here's the thing. Our culture, I mean, I don't know if is everyone here in America or is someone in a different country? Are we all Americans here? All Americans, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Our culture is very different than other cultures, right? Our planet. I mean, who knows how different our planet could be from other planets? Maybe it's normal on their planet to break into each other's houses and steal a kidney or something, you know? Maybe that's just, like, play. Yeah. Maybe that's how they play. Mm. So maybe they just want to be our friends. Cool. Well, yeah. I, that's as good an answer as I could have hoped for. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to make a friend, ask them for biological material. <laughs> and Back to you, Kevin. <laughs> well, this is great. I'm loving this, <laughs> man. Right. So, um, can you, you, can you see me? This is the next question outside your window. No, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> Why did I write that, man? Did that makes it on the list, Kevin. I don't well, know. Like, what am I? <laughs> I better move away from the window. Oh my god! I think I right. just got three more subscribers. All right. Okay, Star Wars or Star Trek? Let's do it, Shane. I love to hate Star Wars, um, so I have to pick Star Wars. Uh, All right. Yeah. Allison? So I have to default to Star Wars because that's all that was served to me as a child. But Deb said something about Battlestar Galactica in the chat. Oh, Galactica. Only make it halfway through. (laughs) So good. I really want to know who the rest of those Cylons are after that. (laughs) Gotta see it, man. But really, raised by wolves. Watch raised by wolves. Also Ooh, good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Original Star Trek, yo. Nice. All right. Um, I, I, I'm about done. You know, I could give the mic to Deb. Deb's probably got some thing, good stuff. Can I say a quick thing about this question, though? Yeah. Uh, on the basis of sci-fi, Star Trek is leagues better than Star Wars. Okay. Mm, right. I mean, you have so much in one Star Trek episode that they can never accomplish in one Star Wars movie. Mm. I just haven't seen enough Star Trek, that's all. But Star Trek is amazing. I grew up with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a Star Trek for everybody. Mm-hmm. True, true. Okay, you ready for another deep question? Okay, this one actually really is. So <laughs> we talked a little bit about religion. And this is something that I've spoken to Nathan and a couple other people about how the UFO belief system basically parallels a religious belief. But I cannot help but think that if we had forthright information, if we had simplified what was going on, or at least just been pretty honest about it, it wouldn't have become a religion that required belief. So I just wanted to know what you thought about that, about your insight, because I feel like the playing around with whether or not it was true has resulted in this religious mentality. Mm-hmm. Shane, do you have something? I was just going to say, uh, I, I completely agree uh, with the, the premise. I think, I don't remember this, if this is in the phenomenon or not, but I know one of the UFO situations, I want to say the, the, the Roswell thing, someone called it the biggest overreaction of national security, like of all time or something with the, with the cover up. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, <laughs> I, don't know. I, yeah. I think my answer to this question is, I think that that wouldn't necessarily solve the problem because I, I think there's sort of like a, a thought virus of, of people, not just in religion, but, but any manner of disciplines that are, that are just going to really dig in. And when, when information to the contrary is brought forward, it, it, it just doesn't matter. Like they're, they're in some type of, of thought loop. But I, I do think that it would do a lot in terms of making the spiritual experiences that are inherent when we look outward into the beyond to, to see what else is out there more, well, I almost used the word pure, in which case we're, we're looping back to the... the <laughs> But I do think it would do a lot in terms of us being able to have the value of the the spiritual experience of, of seeing and looking at what is out there without the the dogmatic, the the fundamentalism, the arguing um, that that kind of permeates the culture right now. 
Right, because at this point, I do think if a third testament was written, it would have to include UFOs, right? <laughs> so, hmm. just saying. I, I just want to say one thing. Uh, if somebody in the chat has a question, if you could just tag Deb, and she will uh, get that up on screen for Shane and Allison, our guests. And I just want to say... Um, that is a great question, Deb, that, that we may never know the answer to. But one of the, the things that you can sort of parallels, if you look at, you know, left and right America, if you look at UFO Twitter, if you look at how, you know, 21st century humans will see anything on which they can divide themselves from someone else, it doesn't really, you know, speak well of of uh, or speak positively about what might happen if they had information that would challenge their belief systems. I think you just might have people on the news channels actually talking about this and dividing themselves over who's allied with the phenomenon, who believes in them, who doesn't, who thinks they're here to help us, who thinks they're here to hurt us. And even on this show, I think we we all have both of the, you know, uh, you know, Nathan has spoken about it at length, uh, that, that we feel like there could be some some negative uh, consequences as a result of uh, uh, a, a certain intellectual dominance over us or, mm -hmm. or, or um, what would you call it? technological dominance, you know, all these sorts of things. So um, I'm not sure it, it's it's a scary answer and question. And I don't know that we're not necessarily right where we need to be, even if I wish I knew it all. Because if you look at the six people on this panel right now, we're prepared to know it all. But that doesn't mean everybody's like us. Clearly, they're not. Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's kind of one of the central things that, that Shane and I embarked on this process for is like a, a willingness to constantly change and evaluate be beliefs because we are you know, we've, we've been interested in UFOs for virtually our, you know, our whole lives and more into it in, in the past few years as things have really come forward in the public forum. Um, but I, I, I do wonder what, what you're saying, like, would people be prepared to have their, their worldviews totally shifted? But, but I'm inclined to think that people can handle it or, or more people can handle it than, than we would like to give them, them credit for. I mean, I think when, when faced with, with information that allows them to disentangle probably some negative things within the, the belief systems that they have, that, that will be real or could be really freeing. So you know, I do think that's a possibility. I do think that's a question, but I don't want to wait until we're all, you know, at the level of, of consciousness that we, we can can take this information on. I, I think we can trust humanity that that if this stuff is out there, that we can kind of band together and and be able to use it for good. Yeah, I want to know now. Uh, but I mean, if you look at the vaccine, you had 50% mm -hmm. of the people said, I believe in it. 50 mm -hmm. things said it's ridiculous. They're going to inject stuff that's going to track me. So you could use that metaphor. Mm -hmm. That could be a metaphor for ufology. There are people that wouldn't believe it even at, with the information. Well, they would think they would, uh, they would rail against it. They mm -hmm. would uh, be protesting against it. Mm -hmm. It would be, we don't want to interact with them. And then you'd have the a other half that say, aliens. no, they're good. Yeah, no, they're good. They're good. And others say, you know, we should be developing weapons to, to mm -hmm. destroy them. So that's, a, I mean, if you look at the vaccines, toilet paper, you know, any of these sorts of things, I think that's probably evidence would suggest that's probably what would happen. Mm -hmm. 
So, but I don't know. But I, that doesn't mean again. I want you know if well, I could open the archives right now. I, I feel like I the, the technologies of the ruling classes that already exist are already putting a, a large number of us at a disadvantage. So, you know, are, are you saying with is that does that mean that, that stuff could have the possibility of leveling the playing field, or would it more likely just give the ruling classes more access to to um, technologies that would make their ability to to um, impact us negatively worse. I, I think there is a potentiality for that. I think it's something we could uh, that humans look for things to divide over as opposed mm -hmm. to unite over, which is problematic. We're seeing it in our very own community. And this would be if this were open on a grand scale, like they're here. Look, can you mm -hmm. see them right there? Then that would be another thing people would divide over, I believe. Unfortunately, not to, you know, much to my chagrin. So anyway, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, well uh, Shane, I saw you wanted to jump in too, I think. Sorry. So I wanted to give you a chance to. Oh, I actually didn't. I didn't have anything to add to that. One. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, can we talk about hair care products? Deb or does, if anybody on the Deb, hit it. I was just going to say, knowing the, the community, they would argue that wasn't the right alien. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm imagining. That's it's a glass. Right. It's a glass. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say something, DJ, to your to your analogy? I think that's great. I think that's what our modern alien invasion would look like. I think it'd be a bunch of news, and it'd be late night talk shows, and it would just be people protesting and disagreeing, and people not agreeing. You know, it, yeah. It's what we do. It doesn't matter yeah, what the topic. Totally. Is. The topic I think that's great. I, I I mean that's not something that I'm celebrating or going. It's no, but I, you're right. Is very good right now as things are going. So if you know if we're already going to ruin, and if we get to know about the aliens before we go to that ruin, I think I'm kind of still game. I'm. Uh, that's not what we're discussing. Show. Everybody <laughs> here's game. That's not. We're not discussing whether we. I, if you ask me, do I want everyone on this but panel agrees. We all, yeah, that's not the question. The question is everybody outside mm -hmm. this. Yeah, we all want. I let's open up the archives, baby. Let, we'll be there like this. We got a bunch of readers here. Nathan will be have his pipe. He'll be smoking. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Doctor Heinings, kid, baby, give it up for my co-host, Money Nathan, co-creator of Calling All Beings. Well, you know, we um. We, we dance around this topic a lot and almost every show hits on it in some way, but there's the sense in which arriving at whatever the, the truth is, you know, that's just another door, another opportunity that comes to us to add extra layers on top of it. I mean, there's never, it would seem to me to be very difficult for us to arrive at a place of full disclosure where there aren't new layers of meaning new narratives, new religious systems. New, I mean, every we're, this is just sort of like what we do. Like, this is how we are. You know, so I find it interesting that so many people put like so much emphasis on getting the truth because to me, it's not like it's like the journey's not over, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, a, it's actually a widening or maybe even a more complicated problem that we have to deal with at that point. Uh, that, that could be good, good or bad, or I don't know if you guys thought about sort of the ramifications of if we actually get what we're hoping for. I, I think there will always be more. Uh, I, I really, 
even if there's no more as far as like quantity, even if there's no more amounts of information to amass, I think there will always be more to consider uh, and, 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 and to learn. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think it never ends. It never ends with anything. Right. Okay, now we can talk about hair care products. If, if uh, I'll... <laughs> all right, are you guys using conditioner? Um, do you want DJ skincare formula? I'm just kidding. I just, why, I hadn't washed my hair for two years until last week when I got a got a haircut. So, I've, my hey! hair care regimen has been very, very lax. I love it. I love it, man. I dig that. In fact, I would just love to have hair. Uh, but, but anyway, um, so we're gonna get a final round of questions to end part one part one of you guys joining us um yeah this this has been amazing money nathan yes guys uh thank you for coming on the show Uh, i've really enjoyed having Mm -hmm. both of you and i think these guys know because they know me like we we could probably talk for hours and just have a great time Uh, i love your perspective uh, I love the questions that you ask or the way you think about this. And I appreciate that you're a show that is trying to kind of be on the, on the ground floor and walking through the topics in a very detailed way. We need more shows like that. Uh, I think that's great. And I'm sure it's taking you, you know, along the journey as well. It's not like you're just, you know, trying to put the training wheels on, you, you know, you, you really do want to learn and want to get into it and not kind of skip to these easy conclusions. So uh, again, thanks for coming on. And what kind of what, what what's on the on your plates? What what are you really working on next? We got a few things. So one, we just released a video today about the phenomenon that we uh, previously mentioned. Um, the the most compelling evidence to me because there's there's science based stuff, there's military based stuff. I don't necessarily feel like I have the technical knowledge to always be able to sift through that to be able to put it into like oh this is probably true, this is probably not true. So what I tend to to find the most value in for proof for myself tends to be mass sightings because it's not just relying on one testimonial; it's relying on multiple testimonials. Sometimes there are like news organizations also covering the topic as well. So I find that particularly compelling. Um, in the phenomenon, it ends with the uh, Zimbabwe aerial school phenomenon. Uh, I've seen so when you're when you're going deep on things, you you see things all the time. That's, that's this has been debunked. This has been debunked. This is not true. Um, but you can't go into each of those things as, as you find them because you're focusing on, on one thing specifically. So I know that there are arguments that exist for, that in, allegedly invalidate the aerial school phenomenon. So kind of ca- going from the phenomenon, which ends with the Zimbabwe school, we want to kind of specifically look at that story because that's something that when Shane and I first saw the documentary, we found really compelling. Mm-hmm. And... Kevin is going to come along and talk on our show about that story whenever we get to that episode. So I know Shane and I are going to be doing some digging on that. um, And that is what's coming up next. And we have another project if you want to describe it, Shane. Yeah. So we're also um, something Allison and I haven't done much of yet, but is really something we want to get into is more scripted content where we really like use the strength of writing to bring people through a lot of bigger ideas and maybe more complicated stuff. So we Love do it. have a Greer, another Greer video in the works, which is a script. 
Um, where we... <laughs> Can I get a hey, man? <laughs> I also feel like we're not quite like I, I enjoy this off the cuff stuff, but I, I am a person that gets lost in my own thoughts a lot. Even when Nathan gave his last question, by the time Shane had answered, I was sort of like, I don't really know what the beginning of this question was. So it will be very valuable for me to be able to like show the example of what I'm talking about in real time instead of referring to something that I'm trying to summarize, but I'm not quite articulating in a way that I think any person just off the street would immediately be able to track what I'm saying. So mm -hmm. that's why I think scripted content is going to be at least an occasional thing for us. Perhaps some pranayama breathing. <laughs> Inhale deeply through the nose. <laughs> Exhale through the nose. Use the body's filters right here. Very good. Good advice. Did you have anything else to say about the next project? Um, the only <laughs> other thing I was going to say, um, we do, so the secret knowledge is not only confined to ufology. Um, and there are other things that we want to talk about. I want to talk about, you know, weird sci-fi. I want to talk about um, yoga and health stuff. I, I want to talk about a lot of things. Nice. Um, but that's, I want to talk about Abraham Hicks. Oh, me too. That's, yeah, yeah. that's big on my, my list. So, so one thing, if you guys need someone to come on and talk yoga, I'm a yoga teacher. Oh, we'd love that. I'm we a yoga teacher. That. Also, if Air Force. Willing, yes. Air Force, flying, government. Mm -hmm. That's also me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, am, up, I knew you were the, the military guy, and I, I meant to actually ask you some questions about that. So if you want me to pose one to you, I will. If not, we can save it. Go for, for it, Holmes. What's want. up, man? Okay. So, so. <laughs> How do you decide who to trust in sort of the military or did you, are you taking all of the military people at face? Well, it depends on what you, because it's all covert. It's all, it's all classified. So like where it, it depends on what specific you'd have to give me an example. Mm -hmm. And then I would, I would, I could answer. Do you have a specific? So, well, I know you, I've, I've seen both of your Dodie episodes. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed them. Did you have Dodie on because you, believe what he is saying is true. I know Kevin sort of asked the question, how do we believe you now? I mean, you've, you've been well, a disinformation agent. So are, are you intentionally having people on that you are inclined to, to believe their stories and the way they're telling them? Or do you get them on and kind of disentangle that after? Well, first of all, uh, his position. So like I've said this to Nathan, I've said this on the air, a French officer once said, I need not be proud of everything I need to do, but I need to do it well. And were I in his position of, uh, you know, an Air Force OSI special agent, and I was ordered to go out and do X, I would go out and do X. That's what you do, or you leave the service, you know, or so that's, you know, what, what you've signed up to do at that point. So I, he, if you listen to the first episode we did with him, he actually apologized on air that we didn't ask him to apologize. He just did it. I'm not somebody who's so perfect to ask people to apologize uh, for stuff that they did in their own life because I've done things in my own life that I need to apologize for. So, um, I mean, I'm not here to put a percentage on everything that he said, but when you look about when he talks about Roswell and you see all the, you know, Nathan and I have talked about Roswell since the very early days of our friendship before we even um, started calling all beings together. Um, the first time, you know, we sort of talk about it. But when you look at how things line up, what comes first? The lie doesn't come first. The lie comes second when you don't like what was put out first. Mm -hmm. That's what makes sense. 
We put out something. We found a flying disc. No, stupid. You will go and say that did not happen. We found a weather balloon. I mean, that's how, so certain things line up with what he said. And also mm -hmm. Lou Elizondo has sort of, he sort of backed away from it a little bit, but he did corroborate that information as have several others that were mm -hmm. in the know that had clearances. Mm -hmm. You know, when you start talking about Fravor and Alex Dietrich, I know aviation, I studied aviation. So when I hear what they're talking about, it really resonates with me, but you know what? We can have another uh, conversation about that and, and, I'll answer anything. Yeah, you I'd, want. I'd I love a, wanna... a long form conversation yeah. about that awesome. where, where Shane and I've kind of gone and, and looked into a specific thing with specific questions to have you have you discuss because I just don't have the background necessary. I hear that information, I take it in, but I sort of don't really know what to do with it without the technical knowledge. Yeah, I I mean I I, uh, I could answer some of that for you or at least give you my opinion, my perspective. No, I don't believe everybody just because they uh, wore the uniform or they say that something happened. But there's a lot of other things that build up to that. I've heard some guys come on these shows and make a fool of themselves. Uh, so I'm not going to speak to who those are, but some of them I, I really do believe. Uh, in fact, Chris Lato is coming up next on Calling All Beings. So awesome. uh, if you if anybody wants to watch an episode with Chris Lato that sees him not talk about aviation whatsoever, and he was an F-16 pilot, uh, watch the one with Artisan Tony, this uh, brilliant guy, a guy named Sergey, uh, who's a physicist, Lou Elizondo, and Chris Lato. That's a good place to start. You're going to go deep, man. <laughs> right? Nathan, did you hear some of that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. It's very good. It's very deep. So... Uh, but you know what? We'll talk more backstage because I got stuff I want to tell you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so let me let Larry, and, and let me let Flair's Kevin say goodbye. Man, you know I, I just feel like I brought together a, a bunch of cool, awesome people who were supposed to meet each other. I'm feeling really, <laughs> really satisfied here. I've been wanting this yeah. for a long time. I think Thank we you. all have really good chemistry, guys. I really, I'm really feeling this. Um, so yeah, thanks for, right? <laughs> thanks My for being Yiddish here. Coming out. <laughs> right. Thanks. Thanks for coming. That's all. Just thanks, thanks for being for who you are. You guys yes. are awesome. We well, we I'm need. So that we we met you on Twitter. I mean, you're you're so entertaining and fun, and and I love your spirit of lightheartedness in, in a community that can often be very serious. And it's just nice to have something something fun to rely on. And you are you're, it. you're the oh, best. You. you are like the light in the darkness some days on Twitter. Like I'm serious. You've brightened my day just many times. Really? Just by being nice and being who you are. You make me laugh. Like you're a great guy. So thanks for wow. having us. Can I get a Hey, oh. man. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Maybe I'll step back in for a while. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Um, Kevin's all excited now. He's going to put on a little bit of cologne. Yeah. Debs. Well, I just hope you come back and, uh, you know, you, you were um, saying something derogatory earlier about being smart or not smart. And, you know, in, in my field, there's a lot of different types of intelligence. Like, the, you know, you can't quantify it in one way. In fact, we, we kind of go poof to some of those intelligence tests that they do, those SATs, which a lot of colleges don't do anymore. Um, so I, I think you have a lot to offer and I hope we get to talk in the future. And I really look forward to hearing more about poetry and literature. So come back again. 
brainstorm with us. It's fun. <laughs> we, we absolutely love that. And and I have that type of intelligence that she's talking about. It can't be quantified, and I really don't want it to be because it's we're talking. You might need a microscope no, to actually unbounded. see it. it. Yeah, it's so. Uh, but no. Uh, where can we follow you? Please uh, give everybody your your handles. Tw- Twitter. <laughs> Okay, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm, sure. So my Twitter handle is at coyote underscore cocktail. Um, and that is where you can find me. And we are on Twitter as TSK Headquarters. You can also check out our YouTube channel, The Secret Knowledge. Um, once again, Deb, thanks for, for all the kind things that, that you said. I hope that if we, we head back over here and, you know, another... Whenever you have us, six months from now, we've grown. Less. Our and, and we understand uh, more more about the topic and, and have ad- adapted our opinions and, and beliefs in, in that way. So so thank you for that endorsement. Appreciate it. You guys totally rock. Totally rock. So give them a like and a subscribe. Give this show a like and subscribe after you get that taco seasoning off your fingers because you don't want to stain the keyboard. So for, for, for Shane, Allison, for Money, Nathan, Kevin, And for Deb, this is DJ saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road because these people here, we're always wondering what's up around the bend. That's right. Peace, y'all. Yeah.